0: Want to welcome you. Thanks so much for coming here. It's a holiday weekend. There's a hundred other places you could be, maybe some places you wish you would be, but we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, we're actually excited for those that are listening on our podcast. It has been, it's been neat. Once again, we've got some people who have listened and have shown up just to see, what does this guy look like that's talking on this podcast? And they probably showed up so they could figure out the whole YMCA thing. That was a little lost in translation, I think, on the uh, on the podcast, but it was fun. By the way, if you are a guy, any guys in the room, any men, real men, raise your hand, come on, a few men, yes, yeah, a few men, all right, and if you're local and you don't get up as early as some of the guys that I know in this room, we are going to be at Burger King, just because that's a cool place to be, it's Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., if anybody wants to just get in the Word of God together, we'll hang out, have some coffee, that's Tuesday at 6 o'clock, there's a few guys that have ask about that, and I'll say, hey, I'll, I'll be there if you'll be there, so we'll see if anybody shows up. If I show up nobody else shows up, I'm going to be ticked, all right, because <laughs> that's early, <laughs> 6 a.m. Some people get up earlier than that, like Ryan's already gone to work, so. Well, here's a few, I always want to give us a few facts about just random things, and I thought now would be a good time to talk about 4th of July, and the reason why we celebrate 4th of July, the Declaration of Independence, you realize that the first draft of the Declaration of Independence was written in June of 1776. And the final edits were completed on July 4th of 1776, but it was not signed until August 2nd. So we're we're early. We jump on this thing early, you know, at least a month early. But then the... um, a couple of the original guys who obviously were a big part of that. Thomas Jefferson surely was a big part of it. He and John Adams died on July 4th in 1826. They died on the same day. I thought that was interesting, 50 years later. Congress declared it a national holiday in 1870. And at the time that it was written, 2.5 million people lived, on the, lived in the United States. Or 318 million people and counting live in the United States today. Uh, is interesting. There's actually a counter. There's like a net gain of one person every 13 seconds after you figure the effects of uh, birth, deaths, international migrants that come into the country. And if you figure in the zombie apocalypse, we're still still trying to figure out how to count those. Are they alive or are they dead? So we don't know really what to go with that. Actually, I I felt that way because we watched World War Z. Have you ever seen that movie? That's a freaky movie, by the way. It's scary. Um, There's some... There's some, there's some uh, spiritual truths in that movie. You could, If you really search deeply, you can find some really incredible stuff in there. But anyway, I'm not plugging that movie. I just thought it was funny to talk about it, zombies. But obviously, you didn't think it was that funny. <laughs> but on a serious note, serious note, we are blessed to live in a nation. Even as messed up as we are, we're blessed to live in this country because we're free. We're free to be here today. I mean, we were gathered here today because of that freedom. And we don't want to take it for granted. We want to be thankful for it. And speaking of freedom, I'm very thankful for my own freedom because I spoke last Wednesday night at the minimum security prison over in Lansing, and so it's it's interesting to go in, speak they're, You know, the guys who come together, passionate. They they're there. They're worshiping, but it's good to leave too. <laughs> it's good to be able to walk out and not have to be on the other side of those um, other side of those bars. And so while I was speaking there, they they were passionate. They they sang with their hearts. You know, they sang out loud. They were, they were so passionate about the, the worship and the, and the Word of God. They sang the song, I'll Fly Away, you know, that old classic hymn. You know, I'm sure they were all like, Lord, we want to fly away right now. Can we just get out of this place? They loved my YMCA joke, by the way. They thought that was hilarious. And they all listened well because they were a captive audience. Oh. I did not go there, by the way, while I was, I did not say that while I was there. It's probably, probably, I thought about it, but I just let it go right on through. But after the message, one of the prisoners came up to me and they, they told me this was going to happen, that they want to talk to you, they want to, they want you to pray for them. So they came up to me and they, and he asked me, he said, hey, I really want you to pray for my wife. He said, I, I'm really falling in love with Jesus in this place, you know, because he's in the word and. He goes, but when I talk about, my, talk about it to my wife, she's not nearly as interested. And I'm really concerned about that when I get out of here in 12 months. What's, going, what's it going to be like? And so last week, you know, when I asked you, you know, if God could do a miracle in your life, what would it be? For him, that's his miracle, that when he walks out of there, that she knows the same Jesus that he knows and that they can worship the Lord together. And so what about you? And I asked this question last week, but just, would someone be willing to, to just share with me right now, what, if God could do a miracle in your life right now, what would it be? So I see the wheels turning. Some of you know immediately, like you could just say it like right away, like, well, I know exactly what it would be. It'd be this. Some of you think, well, it, life's pretty good. It's not too bad, you know? Uh, Maybe there's some few things that could be a little better or whatever it could happen in my life. But so, what, do you, what would what be a miracle for you? Yes, ma'am. Healing in the oh, healing in the family. Yeah, like how many of us need healing in our family? Amen. We can all. Yeah, we all need he, healing in our family. Um, so that's true. So that's that's a good one. What else? It's a, it's a fun. It's a great place. It's a safe place to say this. Oh, yeah, we got one up here. Oh wow, yeah. So, so like, let's just say for the rest of her family to be s- sitting in these empty seats, praise the Lord. That would be, that'd be good. Yes, ma'am. My son to stop watching the history channel. <laughs> stop watching the history channel? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, be influenced by what you're seeing on TV and whatever, and seeing, seeing the truth. That's good. Yes, sir. Uh, so your family to be safe yeah you want your family anytime you're with your family you want them nothing bad to happen to them that's good I I think about that all the time especially as a dad of teenage girls that are driving in a car I love it when the garage door goes up at the end of the night yes they're home I hope it's them coming in the garage door not somebody else I should get up and check probably but um but it's good so and one more one more what else miracle in your Someone to come paint your house and you don't have to do it anymore? Yeah, that would be a miracle in my family too. Yes, ma'am? Ooh, yeah, restoration of the relationship we have with our adopted children. It's a, it's a whole other story. Come over on Wednesday night. We'll tell it to you if you want to hear. It's a whole other story. So let's pray right now. So God, we um, all these things and more, and you know they're on our hearts, and, and Lord, it says in your word that, um, that we can come to you come before you and we can ask for these things. And so these are things that are really personal to these people who have, who have mentioned them. And all the ones that weren't mentioned, God, they're, they're real because they affect us. And so, God, you are in the business of doing miracles. For, for one, just the fact that we're all here gathered this morning is a miracle. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for your word that it speaks to us written years ago but still speaks to us today. That's a, that's a miracle too. So God, I pray that we would learn something new today, something fresh, something we can take um, away from this place and we can apply it to our life. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, so last week, last week if you had a chance to be here, if you heard it on the podcast, we, we left the disciples in the room they were praying. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. That was the promise. This was in Acts chapter 1. They were all gathered together. They were praying. They were communing with one another, sharing the Lord's Supper. They were waiting to be clothed with power from on high. And so I was just I was thinking to myself, I was, my mind works in weird ways. I was thinking, they're waiting for new uniforms, right? They're waiting for this new tag. They're going to get new uniforms, maybe with their name on it or whatever. And they were waiting for this new thing that God was going to do. Uh, in their life. And they were actually taking care of some church business because there happened to be one of their disciples that didn't make it all the way. And his name was Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 p- pieces of silver. It says in Scripture that he actually took that money, bought a field, and in that field he ended up hanging himself. And if you read in Acts chapter 1, around uh, verse 17, 18, somewhere around in there, he, uh, he actually... He actually hung himself and fell to the ground. And it's pretty descriptive what happens to him as a result of this. Now, in the book of Matthew, it actually talks that, that Judas went back to the Pharisees, to the teachers of the law, and he, he wanted to give the money back. He felt so ashamed of what he had done, he wanted to give the money back. But the damage had already been done. It was too late. The, the process had already got started, and, uh, and he wasn't able to undo what he had done. Now, how many of us in our own lives wish there were some things that we could undo in our life? A little rewind. Can I get get a reset on that? We wish we did have the ability a remote control of life, and we're able to just rewind and skip over, somehow edit that part of our life. There are plenty of those moments in my life, too, but, but I also realize, and I've been reminded of this several times, for me personally, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for those experiences. And so instead of regretting them, I can learn to, to uh, reclaim them, I guess, in some way. Say, okay, God, what can you teach me from this moment? Well, Judas didn't have that opportunity because he, he died. And it says that in Matthew that he gave the money back. He must have kept some of the money. Or maybe it's, history tells us that the Pharisees actually took the money and went and bought a field. Called, they actually called it the field of blood. That's where all the foreigners, the, the non-Jewish people, all the foreigners were buried in, this, in these fields the fields weren't good for anything else so that's where they buried the uh the people that weren't like them and so this interesting that Judas this 30 pieces of silver uh history would say that that money would have been like maybe the price of a slave that for that day and so Jesus was sold for the price of a slave well it's, Jesus, Jesus literally describes these Pharisees, before he was crucified obviously, he describes these Pharisees as blind guides. Blind guides who would strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. And I thought that was an interesting phrase because they, they when this money came back to them, they were so concerned about how it would taint their reputation or, or what to do with, with blood money like this. Instead of of keeping it for themselves. They went out and bought a field. They did something good with this this small amount of money, but yet they were the same ones who had Jesus crucified. <laughs> like, c- crucifying Jesus was swallowing the camel. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not taking this money was just like straining out a gnat. Like, you know what it means, strain out a gnat? You know, like you'd use a piece of material or whatever to strain a liquid so that no, no impurities or the gnats wouldn't get in it. And so it's funny that they were concerned about this small little thing, but yet... There's a big thing, they didn't even see it. They were blind to it. That's why Jesus called them blind guides. It'd be equivalent of maybe like the waitress or waiter giving you too much money back, too much change, and you realize it and you're like, you know, that, that's not right. They gave me too much back and you're like, hey, I just want you to know you gave me too much money back. And that's, that's very noble and that's the right thing to do. But then at the same time, at the end of the year, you cheat on your taxes and gain thousands of dollars. You know, that would be swallowing the camel. Does that make sense, the comparison of those two things? So these guys just didn't see it. They were concerned about something small, but yet they had, had actually been a part of something pretty major. But it was, for, it was, it was ordained that that would happen anyway, and it, it took place just as the Bible said it would take place. Jesus was crucified, then he rose again, and so we, we know the story there. But, but part of this business that they were taking care of is they were, had, to, had to replace Judas, and I thought this was an interesting passage of Scripture in, um, in the book of Acts chapter 1, It says that they needed to pick somebody else to replace Judas, and then verse 21 of chapter 1, it said, therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time that the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. This is in verse 21 of of Acts chapter 1. It said, it says, for one of these must become a witness with us of the resurrection." One of the common things that you'll hear from the very early time in, in uh, the church life is that they were to be witnesses of the resurrection. Like, that was the thing they were supposed to, to talk about. And we, you know, here's the interesting thing. We're still talking about that today. Like, that is still the thing that matters so, so greatly in our faith is that the Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And so they picked two people um, to, to vote upon, I guess, if you will. One, his name was Matthias. The other was Justus. And both of them had been with Jesus, but only one was chosen. And how, how would you like to be the guy that was not chosen? Have you ever felt like you're just the runner up? You know, like you never quite made it. <laughs> you, like I never made it to the varsity. Like I always had to play JV. Even my senior year, I had to play JV. And so you, you always be the guy from that moment on like, oh, you were the guy not chosen. Yeah, you were that guy. And so I think that, that can make us feel pretty insignificant. And Scripture doesn't even record really what happened to either one of these guys. Matthias, though, history tells us that he ended up being crucified in Ethiopia. Um, they stoned him while he was hanging on a cross. And I wonder if Justice, the guy who didn't get chosen, heard about that. And he was like, whew, man, I'm glad I didn't get chosen that day. Or maybe, maybe at some point Justice was uh, pouting and making excuses why he wasn't chosen. Maybe he was angry at Matthias. Or maybe he prayed for him. Maybe he's like, you know what, man, they, they chose the right guy. I'm excited for that guy. I want to encourage him as he goes and he, and he serves with the rest of those guys. But like I said, we don't really know because Scripture doesn't, doesn't give us a record of that. So let's look at Acts chapter 2. Let's just continue on there for just a minute. So this is, what the, this is what the disciples were waiting for. Remember, they were in the room, they're praying, and they're communing with one another. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And this is the birth of the church. And one of the reasons why I wanted to cover this is because the birth of this church and how this all came about. And so I thought it was kind of significant uh, just to talk about the birth of the, of the first church, the church of Jesus. So it says in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like a blowing, violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then it says that there were all these people who had come to Jerusalem. They were actually coming there to celebrate the feast of the Unleavened Bread, or not Feast of the Unleavened Bread, but the Feast of the Harvest. They came there to celebrate the, uh, it was the end of the barley harvest. It was a joyful time. They were all there giving thanks, and they were all together in this one place in the city, and they heard these men speaking in their language. So think about it. Like if, ten, if there were 10 different languages represented in this room, and then you heard all these people speaking in your language, the language that you could recognize, and how, how amazing that was. And they were, it says they were utterly amazed. And they asked, how, how is it possible that these guys who are, who are Galileans, how are they speaking in our language? I don't, I don't understand that. And it says that they were declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues, in the tongues where these people could hear it. Now, I know some people might think, well, they were speaking in tongues. If you've heard of that phrase, like, being empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues. But literally here, they were speaking in the language that the people could understand, which I thought was significant for this particular moment. And so I wonder what it was that they were saying. If they're talking about the mighty deeds of God, what were they saying? And if you look at the end of the book of Psalm, there's so many different psalms that are written, and they're the Psalms of Ascension, when the people were coming up to Jerusalem to worship God. God at these different times of festivals, when they were supposed to come to Jerusalem to do these things, they would they would sing these songs or sing these psalms, and so was like I thought about what were they saying at that particular time, and so I look at Psalm one forty five, and I want you guys to um, to just listen to these words, thinking that these are, these must have been the things they were talking about, like they're praising God, and so let's just look at this together. Ryan's going to read it from from the bat.
1: I will exalt you. My God and King, I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can't fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell you of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works And I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look at you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He fears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love them, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever.
0: I just think that's such a powerful word. so you imagine all these people hearing
1: God's praises and they're
0: being encouraged, and they're they're just amazed and they're thinking, Wow, what is what is this? What is going on? What does this mean? It says, and somehow ever made fun of them and said they must be drunk. But this is this is what is so powerful to me. This this Peter who had denied Jesus and who did not even know who he was and, and who had stuck his foot in his mouth so many times, it says in Scripture in, in Acts chapter two verse 14, it says, "Then Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice, and he preached an incredible, me- the first message of the church. <laughs> These people were praising God, they were hearing it, some were questioning, some were doubting, and then Peter gets up and he speaks. One of the first things he does is he quotes Scripture from a prophet, from prophet Joel, and he says these words. This is in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my service, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. <laughs> Some people think, well, we're waiting for that to happen. Like that hasn't happened yet. Some say, well, that's happened in, in different parts over the years. But the fulfillment, full, the full fulfillment of that has not come. And we're still waiting. But here's the truth. We are in the last days. And I don't I don't mean like the the world could end tomorrow. I mean it could. I mean, I don't know that. Only God knows that. But what I mean is is since Jesus ascended into heaven and he promises to come back, we're living in the last days. Up until the day Jesus returns, we're in those days. And we're waiting for the fulfillment of this. There have been moments of this where God has poured out His Spirit. He just did. He just poured it out on all of His believers. There was like 120 people gathered. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were filled to do what? What were they they supposed to do with this, this? This coming of the Holy Spirit. Well, Peter begins to preach with power. He begins to speak truth and and it kind of it gets to the people and they were listening but one of the things i want to talk to you talk to you about real quick this morning and, and this is a whole nother sermon we, we spent a whole lot of time on this but i know some of you wonder what is the difference between having the holy spirit and being filled with the holy spirit i don't maybe maybe that's not a question you've ever asked the, the truth is i think everyone who calls on the name of the lord when they ask jesus to come and live inside of them and put their faith in him i believe at that particular moment they're given the holy spirit Literally what Scripture says is they're sealed, kind of like God seals you, sets you apart for eternity. Now you belong to Him. and You're His child. You have the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible said that He will be in you, and you'll be one with Him, just like the Father and the, and the Son are one. So if you have faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that lived in Christ is in you. Okay, so now you have that, okay? And you might think, okay, now what? Now what do <laughs> I do with that? If I have this Holy Spirit living in me, and if I, if I have the ability to be like Christ, why do I mess up sometimes? Why am I still blowing it here on earth? Well, that's, a, that's a great question, <laughs> and our flesh is weak, and we're still working that out. One of these days, we will not have to struggle with that. So the sense of we're being set apart by God, we have the Holy Spirit, but what about times when we are filled with the Holy Spirit? There might might be times when you have you feel this, this power that comes with comes up on you to overcome something or accomplish something. Maybe you felt that, maybe you haven't. And you might and I don't want you to think, well, well, maybe I'm not maybe I really don't believe in Jesus because I've never really felt that before. It's not here's a disclaimer. It's not that you have to experience the exact same way. I'm just trying to give you some thoughts or ideas of what it's like. So, you might, be, you might feel this power to overcome or to accomplish something. I, I felt that sometimes where I feel like on my own I can't do it, but with God's help, with this Holy Spirit that's living in me, I feel like I have this, this, the, the ability to overcome. Maybe you've experienced His love, this overwhelming sense of His presence. Maybe you feel warm inside, like this, you just feel this warmth that comes over you. For me, I usually cry. Like, when I feel the Holy Spirit, I start crying. And I don't know where those tears come from. They're obviously, they're from from the Lord, I guess. And I I just feel this sense of overwhelming, like, I am so loved. Like, I can't be any more loved than I am right now. Uh, Maybe you get some wisdom. You, You get this prompting that helps you make decisions, where you have some peace about something. And I think that's a good way to know. It's like, is this the Spirit? Like, I have some real peace about this choice? Or if you have no peace about it, you might think, well, maybe that's not of God and I shouldn't go there. So that's some good ways to think about that. Uh, you have his guidance. Maybe his words from other people. Maybe people have spoke words to you. Uh, you say, you know what? I feel like the Spirit has told me to tell you this. And you need to weigh those things. You don't necessarily, he's like, is that from God or not? Do I have peace about that? One time I was in California and I was, I was praying, and we were at this worship time, and there was a, a young girl standing next to me, and I, and I knew that she was praying about what, where she was supposed to go to college, and I'm praying, and all of a sudden, Azusa Pacific came to my mind. Like, that's weird. Why am I thinking about Azusa Pacific? That's a college out in California. Okay, that's odd. So, so later, I was talking to her mom, and I said, hey, I know Ashley's really praying about where she's supposed to go to school. For some reason, when I was praying earlier uh, or last night, I had the, the, the phrase Azusa Pacific come to my mind. She's like, oh, Brady, that's the school she's been praying about. That's the school she feels like God has let her to go, but she wasn't really sure. And so through, I believe, the power of the Holy Spirit, now it wasn't like tongues of fire came and rested upon me, which would have been cool, by the way. Like, I, I would want that to, I want to see that happen one of these days. <laughs> like, just like, I don't know, would we just be blown away if that happened? We probably would. We wouldn't know what to do with it. And so, but I just felt like, oh, simple word, and I said it, and all of a sudden it was like, well, that makes sense. And then maybe, maybe it is about a particular language, a particular prayer language, and some people have had that experience. Listen, I believe that the, the speaking in tongues and those pra- the prayer language, I believe it's valid. I, have I ever experienced it myself? No, I have never. Aval- now, I don't know that I, maybe I will someday, but I know that it's real. One of the reasons why I know that it's real, because I had a woman's, pray over me one time this was this was in california again same place just many years later or many years before actually i mean even before i was in ministry i was still working in american airlines i had this woman she goes can i pray for you i said sure and so she she sticks her hand on my chest and she starts praying and she's speaking in this other language i'm like whoa this little baptist boy has never had this experience i was a little freaked out i have to admit i was like what does this mean? And so she's praying. She's like, "Okay, I see. Um, I see this picture of you, um, you standing there, and young men are lining up behind you, and they're following you as you follow Jesus." She goes, "You're going to be a leader of young men." It's like, "Wow, that's awesome. That's cool. I never even thought about that before." She goes, "I see you and your wife dancing in a circle with Jesus because there's great joy. There's great joy in your in your life." Wow, um, those things have come true how did she know the spirit does those things you are empowered by the spirit so there might be times where you feel more you feel closer to god than ever before anywhere what is that what is that feeling and that's maybe being filled with the holy spirit it'll it'll look differently for everybody it's not the exact same experience but don't be afraid of it and if you've ever if you've never experienced it don't be afraid to ask for it Say, God, just fill me with your spirit. Like, fill me, help me be a better husband. Help me be a better father. Well, just fill me. I need your help, God. I can't do this on my own. And don't be afraid to go there. And so they were filled. This was the first giving of the Holy Spirit, and that's how it manifested itself. And then uh, Peter begins to speak, and he speaks this word boldly. And he preaches this powerful message. And he goes on in Acts chapter 2. I want, I want you to take you to where... Um, Where verse 36 is. Peter tells them, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and all the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Sometimes I think we're afraid to really open ourselves up to the Word of God. We're we're afraid, sometimes we're afraid to come to church because we might be cut to the heart. There might be something that we hear, or something that we are exposed to, or or maybe the Holy Spirit will start to to do something inside of us, and and there's a fear there because what what if God reveals something about me to somebody else, or what if I'm, a, I'm concerned about that sometimes. I always think, what if somebody like, gets a word from the Lord about me <laughs> as I'm set up here talking, and they're like, oh, Brady, I need to talk to you. are like, oh, no, what now? <laughs> what's next? You know. So, but we're afraid sometimes to be cut to the heart. I mean, think about that. To be cut, to, literally to lay open your heart where, where God can really just see what's in there. My friend was talking about her son who had a, had a heart procedure done and how they saw the reality of what's going on inside there. He's going to have to have some surgery to make it clean. And I think in the physical realm, or in, or in the spiritual realm, I guess I would say, when God cuts us to the heart and he begins to reveal stuff, we, what, are we going to, what should we do? We have to ask that question too. What shall we do? And I, and I want to encourage you, don't be afraid of that. God is a good, gentle, loving surgeon. <laughs> and he'll he might reveal those things to you, but it's for a good reason. Like, he would not do it to harm you. Instead, he wants to help you. Like, he wants to heal you so that your blood flow can come back again and so that you can begin to really live and function in the way he wants you to function. It's, it's amazing to me that, like, they were cut to the heart because they had just realized we were a part of crucifying Jesus. Now, I've done some bad things in my life, but could I be accused of crucifying Jesus? I know personally I was not there, but I know that the reason why Jesus had to be crucified was because of the sin of the world, and I know I have some sin in my own life that needed to be taken care of. So when I think about this, I'm cut to the heart. They asked, what should we do? So Peter replied, "With, with the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe he was filled with love and filled with wisdom, and he gives them this guidance. He tells them what they should do, and here's what he says in verse 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. And with many other words, it said he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who who accepted this message were baptized And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Bam! The church was born. Interestingly, to think about this, Pentecost was a festival of a harvest. And the Bible describes Jesus as the first fruit of the harvest. Like when he rose from the dead, he was the first offering of the harvest of eternal life. 3,000 people come to faith that day. That is the second harvest. And listen, the second harvest is still going on to this day. If you've ever put your faith in Jesus, you are a part of the second harvest. For everybody that'll put their faith in Jesus from this moment on will be a part of that harvest. And And it began that day. The celebration of Pentecost started that second harvest. And it will continue until Jesus comes back and finishes his work and says it's it's, it's completed. The harvest is over, and now we're going to celebrate. And they have a huge wedding feast (laughs) at the end of the scripture. It's powerful. So we ask the question, what should we do? For us, it might be repentance. And that is when God speaks to us about something in our life, and that is between you and him. And so I would encourage you If he's speaking to you, then take care of that. Baptism is intended to be a testimony so that other people can see what God is doing in you. It's evidence that you've repented of your sin. It's the proof, it's the physical proof. One of the things you guys can be praying about is I talked with the YMCA here and I said, what if we baptize people in your pool? And wouldn't that be amazing if we could just walk out of here and go down the pool and just baptize people? They're not so excited about that idea, <laughs> um, which, which I'm like, you know what, God's bigger than that, so we'll, we'll do something different then. Uh, we have a family that has a pool in their backyard, and we'll have a celebration here in a little while, and we'll invite anybody that wants to be baptized, and we'll all go do it together. And then maybe eventually they'll decide to let us do it. If you know somebody who works for the county, <laughs> maybe you could little, put a little in there. <laughs> maybe, maybe you know someone. <laughs> So as we finish up our time together, I want to sh- share, share something that happened to me this week. This what shall you do thing came alive for me. So I was at the ministerial alliance meeting, and that's where a lot of local pastors will gather together, and they talk about what's going on in our community, pray together, and, and uh, most of the time it's, it's pretty powerful because you got all these pastors, and we're all praying, and we're just worshiping the Lord together. And so in that particular Meeting, they were talking about the the um, great awakenings that have happened through history, where, where there's just been this move of the spirit, and people just it seemed like it was just a wave, and people got caught up in it. And it all it always starts with prayer. A lot of time it starts with prayer of young people, passionate young people who sell themselves out for the lord and it's like nothing else matters i just want to pray I just want to see god move in our generation and so they give us this handout and i just happened to flip it to the back and the first paragraph now listen i I believe god works this way the first paragraph that was highlighted for me i believe the holy spirit said look read this paragraph and i read it and it said these five things this young man went to a prayer meeting. It's like he walked into church, basically, and he asked the pastor, hey, can I have a few minutes just to share what God's put on my heart? And The pastor told him, well, you'll have to wait until we're done. Now, I question this. Would I be open to that? If somebody walked into the door this morning and said, hey, Brady, I really feel like the Lord has a word for all of you, uh, would I be open to that? I don't know. You know, it's like you want to kind of be, you want to protect your sheep. And so it's like I'd have to like maybe ask, what is the word? Well, they said, well, we'll just wait until, everybody, until we're done. And, then and if anybody wants to stay around, like for the after party, <laughs> we'll let you, then you can share with them. So 17 people stayed. And here's what he shared. Obey the Spirit's prompting. So if God's speaking to you about something, obey it. Confess any known sin to God. Put away any doubtful habit out of your life. Put away any wrong done to man. Um, or put away any wrong done to man right, like making it right with man, and confess your faith in Christ publicly. Immediately, the Spirit of God prompted me to, to make right what I had done wrong to somebody in that room. So I had a choice to make. What shall I do? Should I just ignore it? I'll do it later. How many times have we said that? I'll take care of that later. Like, I'm not going to do that right now because I just feel uncomfortable about it. Other people will think I'm weird. You know, I, I just don't want. And then I thought this. Am I just doing this to get other people to think better of me? So you got that battle going on. What shall you do? But I said, you know, the Spirit prompted me to do it. So I got up. I went to my former pastor at the Baptist Church. And I said, there have been some people who have spoke harshly of you. And I have not defended you. And I want you to forgive me. Would you please forgive me? I just buried my head in his chest, cried like a baby. He cried, told me he loved me. It was powerful. So what is the Spirit prompting you to do? Is there any known or unknown? (laughs) Because sometimes there's sin in our life that we don't, we're not really aware of, and we need to ask God, God, is it there? What is it? Please reveal it to me. I know that's scary, but, but it's also very freeing. <laughs> Any doubtful habits in your life where you're like, oh, I don't really have a whole lot of peace about this, but it, I don't know. Maybe it's time to put that away. Uh, maybe it's time to make right what's been wrong between you and someone else. And then... Maybe it's time to confess your faith in Christ publicly. We confess our love for our favorite sport team publicly, and we're not ashamed. Well, sometimes with the Royals, we can be ashamed. But not now, because they're pretty good. (laughs) Isn't it true, though? We're so willing to stand up and, and proclaim our love for our favorite artist or our favorite this or favorite whatever. We post about it. We Pinterest about it. We do whatever about it. But yet when it comes to our faith in Christ, we're... And when I say we, I mean me sometimes too. So maybe baptism is a way for you to confess your faith in Christ publicly. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that we are to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. Maybe this morning you need to confess your faith in Christ. So as the worship team, you guys come, use this song as a time of confession and listening and obeying. And, and whatever it is that the Lord is asking you to do, I would encourage you to do it.